Hello, listeners. I'm not Reed Dunley. I am Sophia Steiner-Devoy, and I am your host this week on Protest and Survive. I live in a place called Brooklyn, and there are a lot of comedy shows here. There's little shows and big shows. Some aren't very funny at all, and some really are. Sometimes I go and I see my friends tell jokes, and other times I don't know anyone, but I fall in love with beautiful, funny people on stage. There's something extra magnetic and energizing about watching people pour their hearts out for the joy of others. Comedy is performance and it's good writing, but it's also joy and love and community. Our guest this week is the comedian, artist, writer, and activist, Lorelai Ramirez, who before the pandemic had a weekly show right up the street from me called Not Dead Yet. Here's a poem they read at a show back in 2018. I made a man out of 50 lattes. I took the foam and constructed him, put a hat on his foamy head, made arrangements to his face to make him seem like he was happy to see me, happy that I was there. I outstretched his arms, but foam doesn't work like that. It never does. So I just made him lay on the ground so I could look at him and smile back, take off my clothes and lay onto him, feeling him disappear underneath me, turning into a puddle of milk. Mine, my milk, man, what am I doing? He's gone! In addition to comedy, Lorelai has a podcast with Patty Harrison called A Woman's Smile, has had shows at MoMA PS1, and has worked on television shows such as High Maintenance and Los Spookies. They're exactly all of the things I mentioned earlier. Funny, magnetic, energizing, and also very politically engaged, which is what I wanted to talk to them about. But first, coffee. I'm making a French vanilla coffee, but now I can't find the coffee. Oh, there they are. Okay. I feel like I usually like misplace the most important small thing, you know? Usually like a sock, like a sock or like the grounds of coffee or the key. Once Lorelai found their coffee, we started talking about mutual aid and how to activate people in our networks. I'm very much influenced by mutual aid groups around. I think that that, that there is still a little bit of a strange, uh, Mm, hierarchical or power dynamic stuff going on that I don't necessarily like that happens that I've seen happen in any any time there's like you know some sort of movement going on I feel like there's people trying to place themselves on the top and I mean you know I struggle with that too you know when you put together a collective it is really hard to not have your ego involved, but I do kind of like, I step out and I let other people take charge. And that's been a big test for me to just trust, you know, but I, I kind of think that like we, we have a little window right now to reimagine the future that we're going to live in. And I'm so inspired by mutual aid groups, like taking action and, and organizing on on behalf of the community and doing this work that they see that our state isn't doing. And this is like, this is just people. This is just people trying to take care of other people, which I think is great. 
and I think it's cool, but I want it to be like another, like, oh, how would you do this if you were with your closest friends? It would be a totally different dynamic, you know, the way that you talk to each other, the way that you treat each other, the care that goes into the way that you're addressing each other is so different when there's love. I think it's more comfortable for me to go in that direction because I'm so sensitive and I had this like weird experience with the group where it was like they were trying to just get me to be more involved because I was a person of color and they wanted more people of color and and then when I did try to get more involved I was made a little small it was like they tried to make me smaller than I was or like not talk too much and I was like no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, this is the way that I felt working in offices. I'm like, no way. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I decided to make my own career because of how intense and loud I am. And I'm not going to minimize that for anybody, but I'm going to support you guys from afar. Like I'm still in the Slack group and stuff, but <laughs> in terms of like social dynamics, I was like this, I'm too sensitive for this, I think. This sort of thing led Lorelai to start a group called Helpers International at the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdown as a way to facilitate the distribution of care and help and money. The idea for Helpers came from Lorelai's own oh fuck moment back in March. I was like, oh fuck, I'm not going to have money. And then I was like, wait a minute, maybe I'll be fine. I don't know. And then I'm like, oh wait, other people won't have money. And then I asked online, I was like, send money to my Venmo for, I don't know what. Like, I think I was gonna like, try to make a savings out of it or something, or just be like, oh, just in case. But then I realized I'm like, wait, I don't need this right now. Lorelai began to redistribute the money to people who needed it, which led them to think bigger. And I was like, what if I reach out to my friends who are all amazing organizers and have connections to different worlds and put us all together and we can help in small ways, but do it together so that we don't feel alone. Because something about going to like your mutual aid group and like trying to help out in any way you can is that you do feel alone because these are all strangers. And I was like, wait a minute, why is volunteering about meeting new people and like being around strangers when we can just kind of like activate our personal networks. And then maybe we can just do stuff with our friends and it can be more fun and less like work, right? And I've been told by people, it's like, you make activism look fun. And I'm like, great, because I'm really just trying to like activate everyone around me. So everyone has to do less work. So then, yeah, so then that's how helpers formed. And then, and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this can happen not only in New York, but in other states. So I reached out to my friends in LA, in Miami, in Philly. And then we collect donations from people who want to maybe, who don't know how they can help and just have money and they want to help in some capacity. And so they'll give us the money and then we'll use the money to give it to organizations that aren't getting a lot of like access or press or anything like that. Um, Really kind of on the ground, people who are not huge organizations with like lawyers and stuff, but like very small people doing direct work out on the ground right now. So trying to support 
those people who are on the front lines from, you know, from afar. So doing that and then some money would go to like some aid for protest stuff. But because there's been a lot of that from other people, we've stepped back a little bit and we'll just give money to people who are organizing in that capacity. But it was also just to kind of like show up and facilitate so that people could show up in any way that they could. They quickly figured out that organizing, like doing anything else with a group of people, is about relationships and care and community. You know, it's like we're in this capitalist society or whatever, but when you really think about, like, business, corporations, entities that for some reason are like, we exist without humans. And it's like, no, you only exist with humanity working for you. So the more that you take care of your people, the more that you show care to your people, the better your business will be, the better your organization will be. It really depends on like how caring and loving, it's about care and love, about these like lame things that I don't know why people think that are lame, but they're like the basis of humanity. It's like, why are, why are we, like when we find meaning is when we're part of a community, when we feel love, when we feel seen, when we feel heard when we feel like we're part of something. So it it really like baffles me that just like continuations of that way of thought. I try to criticize it in myself as well. I do have that. So I'm not being like, I'm above it. I struggle with these things too, but I think my main goal is to only work with people who, who align with that about loving and caring and respecting each other. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Lorelai is because of the way that I saw them create community around Bernie's presidential campaign. There were many factors to Bernie's popularity among young people. But one of the things that really inspired me was seeing how different people use their skills to build power and excitement around something as uncool as electoral politics. Lorelai was part of a group of performers who organized a big show to raise money for Bernie back in February. And to me, the show felt like a celebration of the left becoming fun again, and comedians and musicians and performers being politically activated and enthusiastic about creating a better world. Well, I think uh, Bernie really represented, this is just to me personally, Yeah. Bernie represents to me that you can be outspoken about the realities of the world that you see and how to change them. And you can be right. When I just heard about him and he started speaking, I was like, wow, I can't believe there's somebody saying this. And I'm like, yeah, and I can understand it. Yeah. And and it was somebody who who opened the floodgates. This is why anybody who it's critical of Bernie. I'm like, yeah, you can be. You can be critical of anybody of like, he's disappeared now or whatever. I'm like, sure. But he literally, he activated people, you know, he activated everybody and basically put it in, put a little nugget in everybody's head that was like, you can change all of this because it's corrupt and the people in charge suck. And I'm going to try to make it, but I probably won't. But then you can you can do local work and 
and we can change this, you know, like it's, it's about the people. He, he was very much about like, it's the people, like we have to speak, we have to fight back. And I think that seeing that was very, that was very inspiring. And then seeing the people who came out after that, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, Ilhan Omar, Democrat, a bunch of democratic socialists that are now in positions of power. And I think to see that the people really can speak for themselves, advocate for themselves and help other people be activated, help the people who have been silenced and erased become activated. And, you know, I feel like he helped open my eyes in that, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that. Like, I've always known, I'm like, oh, it sucks the position my family is in and that I am in and how hard it is and yada, yada. But I was like, that's just the way the world is. But for the first time, I was like, oh, wait, like, I can I can also apply what I did when I came to New York and started doing art and comedy and whatever that where I was like, I know how the world works, but I'm just going to get in here anyway. Like, I'm going to see what happens if I go in and I'm going to see if I can shift it in any way or if I can open it for anybody else that's like me or if, or if I can talk to people who are saying these horrible jokes or something and just have a conversation with them. Maybe I can maybe I can influence the people around me. And you know, I've always thought that like small things, small incremental things can you know, change the whole and we can change each other, but yeah, I I, I think I like he, he was a really big inspiration in that. And then um, he empowered a lot of people. And I, and, I, and, I, and I think as a community, like we empower each other. And so I, I feel like, I don't know, it it's all feels like kind of a web of, of everybody feeling that and keeping it going, that weight of like, we can change everything if we work together. And then that weight of, Cha- that weight of I don't know change or something it, uh, or possibility yeah. uh, that's kind of it was just infectious um, and it still is it's still here you know and and then we have people who who inspire us every day who are speaking out who are keeping us going it's really about us speaking out and keeping each other going like with our words with our care um, and I feel like that's been the the journey. Um, since like, you know, Bernie stuff. And I think him losing wasn't a real loss because I think that both fights that he, like him being so public as a public figure representing these ideas that are common, not common sense ideas that you think like, for some reason, the government is above. You're like, oh, they don't deal with that. But then you're like, wait a minute, this is what they should be dealing with. These these things that we're going through every day or that they should be supporting or that we should be like visibly speaking about because the more that we can kind of say what's in our brains, use our words to paint a picture of the future, of possibilities of the future, the more it'll become real. It's like, it's like magic. It's pretty insane. I feel like that's why 
Donald Trump likes doing rallies and stuff. He likes speaking, mm. you know? I feel like that's why all these leaders love doing like a big speech, a rally, uh, talking to the people. It's because the more that you speak, it's the more that you're controlling reality. And now that everyone's speaking and kind of speaking in, the, in similar ways, things are starting to shift. And it's because we're all envisioning a future and believing that it can be a reality. And for as long as they've been around, artists have had an outsized role in helping us imagine that future reality. I feel like people love art. Okay, I love art. I love a painting that I'm like, oh my God, this represents everything I'm feeling. It's people who can express feeling and, and like express a moment in time. Like there, there's a, a song that's out now that's really fucking cool. It's by Rick Wilson. And it is, I'm like, this is the anthem of our time. And I'm like, this person just put into a really catchy song. It, it's called Fight Like Ida B and Marsha P. And it is, I'm just gonna play a little bit. Oh my God, they don't wanna see us up, up, up. This is an amazing fucking song. I, when I heard it, I was like, this is the anthem. This is the anthem of the time. I hadn't heard the song before, and I was struck how much history it packed within this catchy Chicago beat. First and foremost, the title, Fight Like Ida B and Marsha P, refers to Ida B. Wells, the legendary journalist and early civil rights leader, and Marsha P. Johnson, activist, performer, and prominent figure of the Stonewall Uprising. Then, obviously, there are the lyrics, which reference and include many of the calls to actions and demands from the Black Lives Matter uprisings that began at the end of May of this year. But Rick Wilson has also incorporated the classic Union song, Which Side Are You On?, first written by the activist Florence Reese in 1931. Florence was the wife of a union organizer and wrote the song about the Harlan County War, a bitter union struggle in Kentucky. Here's Florence singing the song herself. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? We're starting our good battle. We know we're sure to win because we've got the gun. The song was then popularized by Pete Seeger. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County, there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. And of course, has been covered by the likes of Billy Bragg. Scabs, I sod you, Jack. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? And has been remixed and rewritten for civil rights struggles. But won't you tell me now which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? I wanna know now which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? And sung in the streets.
And what's so beautiful about the inclusion here and the adaptation of the freedom side, which is the part of the song that honors freedom fighters, is the song is a kind of symbol of this moment where people are remixing tactics and music from the past, but they're making it new and relevant and exciting. And it's also just a testament to how strong that line between the sides has become. Which side are you on? I feel like we're really in a moment where we're building on where everything else left off, you know? Like this is, it feels so much like a, right now everyone's like tuning in to a spirit of change that has happened before that has been killed off before, that has been silenced before with violence, you know, which is a scary thing. It's like, it's like, how are we going to address that when that comes up? Because I'm feeling the hope and I'm feeling the spirit and it's so beautiful and it's so pure and it's not, it's not shitty, you know, it's not dark. Mm -hmm. It's not the way that the fucking news makes it out to be, you know, like, like there's a, innocence of purity there's like love there's like it's all about love and care and caring for your neighbors and yeah I'm, I'm i'm scared of of how it's going to be silenced now that too many people are activated right now for it to be shut down in one way but i'm like i'm like hmm but you have to keep talking it's all about yeah. speaking it's crazy. And to think of, uh, there there was like a, I remember when I was younger, like seeing a documentary about like Martin Luther King and like how he was like killed in his sleep. To be killed for speaking your truth, that is insane. Like how, how heavy uh, and meaningful the truth is and words are, you know, that people will... And this also happened with, like, there was this Brazilian, she grew up in the favelas, Marielle Franco, and she was assassinated. Uh, She was speaking for the people in the favelas who, (laughs) which is like a whole system that's never been addressed. And it's like totally on purpose. Like it's a, a life for poor people that the the government doesn't want to change. Like, is like, no, you stay right there and you stay in the prison system and you stay in your gangs and you stay being poor. You're going to stay there. We're going to do nothing to help you. And she was assassinated because she was activating her community and with her words, you know, and it's so unbelievable how powerful that is. I keep seeing it and I'm like, wow, you just have to keep speaking. Yeah, I'm like, if everybody was speaking, there'd be too many people to assassinate. So I'm like, the goal is everybody should be speaking as strongly as the other person, you know? Like, there should no not be one leader. There should be no leaders. It should just be everyone owning their power. Because human, uh, it's, I mean, when you see, like, kids learning, you're like, oh, my God. When you see anybody learning, you're like, we can do anything, Like when somebody says you can't do something, that is a way of taking away your power. When somebody says this is the way things are, it's a way of taking away your power. Like we have to encourage each other because 
anything can happen. It's amazing. It's magic. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. I'll include the links to all the media used in the show notes. Special thanks to William Smith and Jay Saper. This has been your August 2020 episode of Protest and Survive. I'm Sophia Steiner-Devoy.